uh, songwriting for me is um, always a process. It's and there's I don't like to hurry it. Um, I write with um, a guy called Matt Papa that lives here in the states, and he always says that um, time is a mirror that uh, that reflects like what should stand and what should fall. And so um, this hymn actually took us a very long time to write. I think it was actually about a three-year process. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Hymn Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Cara Devereaux. And I'm Monet Funga. And in today's episode, we're talking to singer and songwriter Matt Boswell. We discuss the origins of his hymn, Sing We the Song of Emmanuel, what he'd like you to take away from the lyrics, and the importance of proclaiming the gospel through song. We are having so much fun counting down to Christmas with you this Advent season. This year, we're joined by several special guests, including Sandra McCracken, Jeremy Casella, and Pastor Steve McAllister. Make sure you subscribe to our newsletter so that you don't miss those episodes and so that you get all the fun bonus content. You can also follow us on Instagram, where we will be hosting our annual Battle of the Carols, and things are heating up the closer we get to Christmas. Mm -hmm. If you enjoy what you hear, we'd be really grateful if you left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with all your friends. But first things first, we have an uber fun giveaway for our listeners. Go over to hymnpartial.com to enter for your chance to win a copy of Spurgeon's own hymn book. This includes over 1,000 psalms and hymns, a foreword by Spurgeon scholar Tom Nettles, and an additional essay by Spurgeon called How Should We Sing? It's a beautiful cloth-bound edition, so go over to hymnpartial.com for details on how to enter. The offer ends December 31st, 2021 at 11.59 p.m. GMT. Yes, definitely don't miss this. If you snooze, you lose. And it turns out that Matt Boswell is also something of a Spurgeon expert. Mm -hmm. Those of you who are watching on video will see the posters in the background. Um, And I really loved actually what he had to say about pastors being songwriters. It's Mm -hmm. a theme that keeps popping up. And it was really interesting that that was something that he picked up on too. Yes. And it's, and just to note, I know we call him singer songwriter, but Matt Boswell is also a pastor of a church in Texas. So there is that theme that keeps coming up. Even when we talk to folks who are just, just hymn writers, modern day hymn writers, Mm -hmm. they have similar things to say. The pastoral heart of the hymn writer is very, very important. Um, So that was just one of many fun things that we talked about during this episode, which I think you guys will benefit from during this Christmas season. So, without further ado, here's the episode. Matt Boswell is lead pastor of the Trails Church in North Texas and the president of Doxology and Theology. He is an author and hymn writer known for songs including His Mercy is More and Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. Boswell earned advanced degrees from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, including a Ph.D. in Christian worship, which focused on hymnody in the pastoral ministry of Charles Spurgeon. He lives in Texas with his wife and four kids. Matt Boswell, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Well, we are so excited that you are on our show. Like we can't uh, really describe it without scaring you. Um, so we just wanted to know, for those who don't know who you are, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you became a Christian, and how did you come to pursue pursue music? 
I was raised in a Christian home. My dad is a Baptist pastor uh, who grew up on the mission field in Brazil, actually. Uh, my granddad was a Baptist church planner um, in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And so, um, by God's grace, grew up hearing of Christ from a young age. Mm-hmm. And um, at age seven, we were actually planting a church in Virginia at the time. Texas is home for me. I've only lived outside couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but while living in Virginia, my dad one evening shared the gospel with me and uh, the Lord opened my eyes and my heart. And I believed uh, that Jesus could save me from my sins. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's how I came. And then growing up in a, in a pastor's house, um, you know, the church played a big role in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. It was the center of our life. Mm-hmm. At age 15, I began um, songwriting and um, leading music for our student ministry. And um, so ever, ever since then, I've, I've not stopped. Wow. Such a young age. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, over 25 years, I've been trying to wrap the English language around God's glory and around, um, you know, the goodness of given to us in Christ. And I love it. It's mm-hmm. always challenging, even still. Mm. That's really cool. It's also really cool that you're a pastor because we've talked a little bit recently about more pastors should be writing hymns, but yeah. So, well, you know, in the, in um, my tradition, in the Baptist tradition, uh, the earliest pastors um, were, also, the hymn writers. This goes all the way back to Benjamin Keach, yeah. um, who pastored in London in, in the 1690s. There's the heated hymn singing controversy. And uh, that's because as a pastor, he was writing hymns for the church to sing mm-hmm. um, after uh, initially after communion. And then later on th- throughout the service. Um, and you have other, other pastors who wrote hymns. Um, in, in the day, you've got John Fawcett and um, Benjamin Bedham, um, quite a number of pastors who were writing, uh, writing hymns as well. John Newton, not a pastor, but, uh, what a wonderful hymn writer. Mm-hmm. So it, it was my, my dream to be a pastor, a hymn writer. You'll see over my shoulder here is a picture of Watts outside of his dad's jail cell. Um, you know, Watts and Keach were really the prototype for the pastor or hymn writer. Mm-hmm. And um, I did start with a passion for hymns, and then at some point, also felt this this pull to be a pastor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how good I am at either of them, but I do enjoy I enjoy both. No, the Lord well, has blessed you with with many talents, and and mm-hmm. we we say on this show all the time, like it is, it's hard stuff to write hymns. It's hard stuff because it's foundationally um, how people remember what is true of the Lord. You know, our, our minds are always, um, or at least my mind is very attuned to remember what I, what is in song. You know, I could hear a song from 20 years ago and, and remember all the lyrics somehow, even though I haven't listened to it in 20 years. And in the church, we're listening to music um, and singing songs of praise every Sunday um, in, in home devotionals, et cetera. And that could build up 
what we remember about who God is and what he's done. So it's a hard task um, and why we are eager for more pastors to write hymns because it's it's a weighty responsibility as well to make sure we're not singing singing heresy <laughs> singing the wrong yeah, yeah. the wrong things you know <laughs> yeah that's right alfred lord tennyson said that writing in writing a hymn is the hardest thing you can write hmm. and uh i believe it's true um it is it's a maddening process for me personally <laughs> um but I just love it. I can't not do it. Uh, even this morning, I was just reading and, and spending time in prayer. And before you know it, I'm, you know, stumbling over to the to the piano, wanting to sing um, in response to what I had read. Wow. And so uh, I'm grateful that the Lord has given us the gift of song. Mm-hmm. It is, it's a real. Yeah. I'm grateful he's given you the gift of song as well because we sing a lot of your music and it's, it's really encouraging and helpful for us as well. Um, so we invited you on specifically to speak about the background to your song, Sing We the Song of Emmanuel or Gloria. Um, before we get to it, uh, I'm just going to read the lyrics so that those who are new to this song um, kind of know what we're talking about. So the lyrics are, um, Sing We the Song of Emmanuel. This the Christ who is long foretold, low in the shadows of Bethlehem, promise of dawn now our eyes behold. God most high in a maid, lift your voices and now proclaim, great and glorious, love has come to us, join with the hosts of heaven. Come we to welcome Emmanuel, king who came with no crown, help let he lay the invincible, maker of Mary, now Mary's son. Oh, what wisdom to save us all, shepherds, sages, before him fall. Grace and majesty, what humility, come on bended knee, adore him. Spread the news of Emmanuel, joy and peace for the weary heart. Lift up your heads for your king has come, sing for the light overwhelms the dark. Glory shining for all to see, hope let the gospel ring. God has made a way, he will have the praise, tell the world his name name of Jesus. So could you tell us a little the story behind the song and how you came to write the lyrics and the tune? Um, you know, uh, songwriting for me is um, always a process. It's, and there's, I don't like to hurry it. Um, I write with um, a guy called Matt Papa that lives here in the States. And he always says that um, time is a mirror that, uh, that reflects like what should stand and what should fall. And so um, this hymn actually took us a very long time to write. I think it was actually about a three-year process. Wow. Um, and, you know, we're not coming back to it very often, but from time to time we would keep, keep um, coming back to it. Um, I do remember how the melody all started um, and we intentionally set out to write uh, a Christmas hymn that would have a boy in it that would um, tell, tell the story of Christ. Um, generally the writing process for me begins with the opening line. And so um, I think once the opening line to a hymn is written about 80% of the work is done. Uh, and so Sing We the Song of Emmanuel felt like this fresh way to 
to say what we always say around the Advent season. We're singing the birth of Christ. Mm. Um, Matt, Matt wrote the, I, I think I, I was the melody of the A section of this, actually. The B section of the hymn is all Matt Papa. And I love it. It has this kind of like handle um, quality to it. To me, it just explodes. This this B section, I love it. Um, I have an ear. Usually, what Matt writes, I love to listen to. Yeah. Um, so that is true. This one uniquely so. Mm. Um, and then we just can't. We sat back and we, we knew we wanted to keep coming back verse by verse with the word Emmanuel in that space that you see it, mm-hmm. um, and just play with those ideas. I think we had both. At least I had already recorded it. Oh, we brought in Stu Townend um, from England to clean up some of the lyrics specifically. Um, and then Eddie wrote the Gloria that is at the end. So there ended up being four of us when it was all said and done. And so um, it was a collaborative event. Um, so yeah, the longest, the longest process for sure. <laughs> Three years. Wow, that is... That I mean, I guess it shows because the lyrics are really tight, I guess. It's not like a lot of yeah. room for kind of any fuzzy theology in there. I feel like it's really tight and it's really solid, like what you guys have written. The melody almost, I mean, because we do a lot of hymn histories on this show. Um, it's almost like, oh, let's talk about the hymn writer and how they came upon writing these lyrics. Maybe there's a story behind the lyrics, maybe not. And the tune is always like an afterthought. It's like, oh, yeah. And then like 50 years later, they picked up this other tune and they started singing it to it. But it's so interesting to to meet and to discuss him writing in our modern context because they come together at the same time and like, that's just like a crazy idea. Obviously, hymns have always had tunes, but it seems like those tunes that you guys are writing in in the modern context are actually just so so important to the actual song and how it gets picked up and spread around uh, to all the churches. Yeah, I mean, a great tune um, helps text come alive. Yeah, um, it, it, it's one thing to see it on the written page, and you do want a hymn able to to stand on its own um on the written page but these for churches to sing mm. and so um the the tune matters a lot it's got to have a sense of um a familiarity and interest creativity and meaning um a good tune is very hard yeah um and uh, i'm i'm thankful to have friends that I think amazing tunes mm-hmm. um, that I love to sing. Yes. Yes. Um, oh, I will. I'm, I'm resisting going down a rabbit trail <laughs> because I want to talk about that a lot. But um, for this song specifically, what are the kind of scripture passages that, um, that you kind of gleaned the, the lyrics from? Um, and if you don't mind, can you read some of them to us? Well, so in the Gospel of Luke, there are four songs um, that that he records. They're known, they're known as the Lucan Canticles. 
and Christians have sung them um, from the earliest days. Um, the earliest hymns that we have written in Greek and Latin um, almost always revolve around those four songs. Hmm. And so you could say that um, there, there's not one text in particular that this is based on, but it, it definitely has those um, in view because it was the song of, of the angels um, that were singing of the coming of Christ. Mm-hmm. And then you know, Mary's Magnificat, you have um, one of my favorite lines in this, maker of Mary, now Mary's son. Um, the thought of the one who uh, created all things, then laying and becoming a created being. Um, the uncreated and becoming created is uh, mind-blowing. Um, I, I read Ignatius's On the Incarnation, most Advent seasons. And um, I mean, so wonderfully of that. Mm. Um, so I would include, and I would just encourage anyone listening to spend time reading the Lucan Canticles during the Advent season and then pick up a copy of, of Athanasius on the Incarnation. Mm. Uh, it's a wonderful pastoral reflection on the meaning of what it means for God to become man. Mm. Yeah. Um, I really like Athanasius as well. If you have a goal and you're listening, you can get it free on Kindle. It's worth picking up. It is. It's worth twice that. Well, yes, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, I, it's one of the things that always gets me at Advent is thinking about incarnation. It just makes my, my brain hurt. I can't quite wrap my head around it. Um, but it's so wonderful. <laughs> so what is one thing that you really want believers to take away from this song, core truth that you were trying to help them understand and remember? That is a great question. Um, there may be a few things that, that come to view. The first verse, I think, is um, seeing that the incarnation was not a change of plans. God never changes his plans. Mm. Uh, mm. But this was the plan and the promise that we first hear in Genesis 3.15 where the first whisper is made of the good news that one day the seed of the woman will crush the head of the seed of the serpent. Mm. And so there you, that this is the Christ who was long foretold all the way back in Genesis three fifteen, And then someday I just preached the Passover. So you even see these, uh, these shadows throughout the old Testament mm. that then when the coming of Christ are just washed in light. Mm. Um, but that, that verse, verse one, that, uh, that Christ has kept his promise. Mm. If the old Testament is God's promise made that in Christ, we see his promises kept, mm. um, into we're really getting at, um, you know, theologically, it would be the hypostatic union that this is God. This is the invincible one being helpless in his mother's arms. Mm. And so I want people to believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Mm. 
um, as, as we read in the scripture. And then in verse three, um, this news is so good. It, it can't be contained. Mm. Um, that it, it is uh, the news of God become man, which is uh, that even the word Emmanuel, we hear this, um, this harmony of um, the incarnation, God with us, um, that this is the message of the church. Mm. And um, this is what, what has changed us and has come on us. And now it is the message that we hold out, mm. um, calling people to lift up heads because the king has come, mm-hmm. uh, letting the gospel ring that God has made a way for um, God has made a way for us to be reconciled to him, mm. the person and work of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's a lot of things that we're hoping to have happen. Yes. This is why there's a lot of syllables to work with in this hymn, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so it, this doesn't just say one thing. It yeah. takes this idea of, of incarnation and um, seeks to explain it simply and then moves that idea along to now we've received this good news and now we're called to, to proclaim the good news mm-hmm. of Jesus. I do really love that about this song because a lot of Christmas songs are kind of like, oh, isn't Jesus great? Look at him. He's so cute lying there. (laughs) Um, But the fact kind of like talk about like the grace and majesty, the humility, the invincible, like lying in a manger. It's Mm -hmm. it's amazing. And then the fact that you say, okay, go tell everyone. Like, I think that's a really wonderful thing. Mm. Well, honestly, isn't that the shape of Jesus life though mm. right if we trace one of the gospel any of the full accounts it begins with with um with god drawing near to us in the person of jesus uh explains to us who he is and what he's come to do and then sends us out with the message of the gospel into the world and so this definitely has a, a gospel shape to it mm-hmm. um which which in a sense embodies the of advent altogether yeah no well i think your goal um in setting out to write a song that really uh conveys the joy that we have in considering christ coming um was accomplished i think it's i think it's very evident in the lyrics and also in the music um what a joy it is to sing praises to this god um and yeah, it's a really good song. <laughs> if you have never heard the song before and you're listening to this, we will definitely have links um, in the description where you could go listen to it. Um, and shame on you. You should have heard this song already. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, there's still time to put it in your Christmas services. There's still time. You could, you could put it on the rotation. Um, but I guess just a fun question before you go. Maybe it's not fun. Maybe it's very hard. But this Advent season... What will be the song or the album that uh, you will reach for to first mark the season, like in your in your house? Mm, that is a great question. Um, I mean, this you know, this may be a sentiment uh, sentimentality, but 
Amy Grant's Christmas record is probably the first thing that I go to every year. Um, Yeah. As, um, I mean, as a boy, I remember my mom listening to that while decorating the house. Mm -hmm. And so I just, Mm -hmm. I I love it. Yeah. Can't go wrong with that one, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us. We uh, like we are so excited that um, our listeners get to know the background of this song. Um, and where can people find you um, if they want to ke- keep up with what's going on in the life of Matt Boswell? Yeah, I'd say pro- the, the best place is probably gettingmusic.com. Um, I, I have the privilege of writing with, um, with Keith and Kristen and being a part of Getty Music, which is a wonderful extended family. And so um, any new hymns or anything coming out probably will be there. Great. So make sure you guys go check them out, Getty Music. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for this conversation. <laughs>